there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, Happy New Year, I think. Wolfgang Klein, host of a money show called Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday morning on Global News Radio 640. Uh, 2018, we're going to put that one behind us. It's all about the future, isn't it? Um, by the way, best investments for 2018 certainly were not stocks. They weren't bonds. Cash did okay, but you know what did really, really well? If you didn't drink it, wine. Yes, wine collectibles up 10% uh, in 2018. I have some of that, but I gave half away. Well, I drank half of it. I don't know if that works. Uh, what else did very, very well? Art. Yes, fine art. Uh, again, up about 10%. And apparently in New York, a uh, painting of a man in a pink jacket by a swimming pool set the record for a living artist. A living artist at auction. Usually the art has top value when the artist is dead. But here, a living artist, uh, the piece sold for 90 million dollars in Christie's. Uh, so collectibles certainly have been hot. Well, the uh, one thing with collectibles, Wolf, is they don't really get priced daily, right? The, the stock market swoon that we've seen is actually, you know, ha- started in October, got a bit of a recovery in November, and then a real big downdraft in December. So uh, maybe we'll see what happens with those collectibles when they get repriced and, uh, and resold at market. Well, it's interesting because here in the article I'm, I'm, I'm quoting, uh, it said they will always have some sort of a market because somebody loves them. Uh, with a share, there's no sense uh, owning it other than the sake of owning, which I, co- I completely disagree. When you own a share of a business, Jack, what do you own? You own the cash flow. Yeah. At the future discounted cash flow of that business. And the, and therefore you own the profit of the business and the retained earnings and the goodwill and the assets and the brand. Uh, and yes, that goes for Apple too. Uh, stock got absolutely annihilated this week. Oh my goodness me, down 8%. So, well, 2019 has been a fest of sorts, shall I say. You put the word in front of that one. Uh, but we also have to deal with Brexit and China and all that good stuff. So we have to uh, speak to our global international strategist, Mr. Robert Jukes, who is on the line in London right here, right now. Good morning and Happy New Year to you, Robert. Good morning and Happy New Year. So, uh, David Hockney to Robert Jukes. I don't think that's ever happened before. Well, there you go. It is 2019 after all the time for new beginnings, I guess we shall say, Jukes. Um, so, let's, uh, let's talk first and foremost about Brexit. Uh, where are we at? What's the risk to the market? Uh, exit, stay... Please, sim- simplify it. What's going on? It's a mess. I think that's the plain and simple take on Brexit. So uh, right now, Theresa May, our prime minister, is traveling um, across to Europe on a diplomacy mission, trying to seek some re- reassurances, some legal reassurances from European leaders about uh, part of the deal, which is unpalatable, that she's presenting to UK Parliament. As it stands... The soundings that she's taken, that the press have taken, is that the, the deal that she's arrived at with the Europeans for exit won't wash at the uh, at UK Parliament. It'll probably go through European Parliament. They think they've got a good deal. But MPs do not think in the UK that we've got a good deal. So they're likely to, to vote it down. Hence why she's back in Europe seeking some more uh, legal clarifications and changes around the edges to, to make it a little more palatable 
uh, to uh, to lawmakers here in, in the UK. Are we going to get closure to this story in 2019 to make so a that, long story short? That's the one short? thing that markets hate, right? They hate uncertainty. uncertainty they they yeah. just don't know what's going to happen. And it's it's hard to say, I don't know, but really you don't know what's going to happen, especially in British politics right now. But that, that creates part of this fear sentiment and the negative sentiment loop that we have in equity markets at the moment. So, so again, Jukes, yeah. is it going to get put to bed this year? Uh, I think it probably will. I can't be certain about that, even whether it will be put to bed or not. But I think it probably will. March is the, the crunch point. That's the date that we um, that, that we leave. The end of March. Isn't that wild? So, uh, I just think I'm just thinking about that. Uh, sorry to interject there, but uh, Donald Trump had a 90 day uh, uh, ceasefire with China. And I think that 90-day comes up at the end of March, too. So beware, I guess, of the Ides of March. Yeah, for sure. But I guess even before we, we get there, there's the vote in a couple of weeks in Parliament, which will cause um, probably some more discomfort for May. Uh, it may even end her uh, leadership as Prime Minister. Who knows how that's going to go? But it really doesn't look like the, the deal will go through um, uh, in Parliament in a couple of weeks' time. So, so what, what that leaves us is with a couple of possibilities, one of which is that we crash out of Europe with no deal at all, and that would be reverting to WTO rules, which would be very, very painful for everyone involved. Uh, and, um, and the other option, another likely option, these are the two tails, I think, which are becoming fatter, um, you know, the, the most unlikely parts of the distribution of outcomes becoming more likely by the day. The other end of that, the, the, other, the other tail that's becoming fatter, is uh, the possibility that we don't exit at all and that Parliament finds some way to force another vote, uh, another people's vote, that is. Yeah, yeah, I read about we that. To, to leave or not. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Robert Jukes, but... Sorry, we're speaking with Robert Jukes, by the way. He's in London. We're trying to make some sense of Brexit, exit, uh, and just the the global state of the markets and uh, the economy. Um, Look, we're going to go to break uh, and get right back with Robert Jukes live from London, uh, courtesy of Canaccord Genuity, right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Hey, Jukes, uh, can you do us a favor? Can you get Mick on the line? Let's see what Mick has to say about Brexit. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> eh? Yeah. Well, you're taking us back there to the year of my birth, of course, for that song. It's, uh, yeah, literally, it's as old as I am. It's a, such a classic, man. I just love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, music makes us feel better. I think it brings sanity to, to this uh, uh, craziness uh, <laughs> that we're all in the midst of. Uh, you know, over the long term, uh, I'm, I'm quoting now Warren Buffett, over the long term, the stock market news will be good. In the 20th century, the United States endured two world wars and other traumatic and expensive military conflicts, the Depression, a dozen a dozen or so recessions and financial panics, oil shocks, a flu epidemic, the resignation uh, of a disgraced president. We're not talking about Trump yet. <laughs> yet the Dow rose from 66 to 11,500. And I think that probably goes back to what, uh, 2000. Uh, that was from Warren Buffett. The other one's from Byron Wien. Disasters have a way of not 
happening. Uh, so uh, according to Byron, there will, there will be no disaster coming out of Brexit either way. Uh, so we all can take a deep breath in that. But uh, certainly the uncertainty... Payne's a big motivator too, Wolf. And I think that, uh, like you said, that the British people, the UK uh, people may vote, uh, may look at what they voted on in the past and say maybe that wasn't the, you know, the outcome that they're actually looking for. Yeah, well, the people it, of England have voted. I don't understand, Robert. How can you vote again when you already voted? <laughs> well, I think the, the issue um, that many lawmakers are making is that a number of rules were broken uh, by the Brexit uh, campaigners um, at the, the original um, uh, Brexit vote in, in 2016. Uh, plus, the, the the British people weren't sure exactly about what they were voting for. So um, there are a number of claims made by both sides which have turned out not to be true. So um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's another vote, a number of years on, um, where more of the facts are, are, uh, are now known. Uh, I think for me, one of, the, one of the very depressing things about the last vote was that the most Googled term uh, the day after the Brexit vote in the UK was what is the EU in, in much the same way that, um, you know, the most Google term after Trump uh, was elected was how do I become Canadian? It's 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 depressing. I, I'm going to interject here, Robert, because Jack gave me a good one a couple months ago. And apparently uh, when you Google the word idiot, Donald Trump comes up first. That was about a month ago. They may have changed that by now, but yeah, it was true. And, and pure algorithm, pure mathematics, my good friend. When you vote the word, uh, Google the word idiot, Donald Trump comes it's up first. It's not just one hit. There's multiple hits on him. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's absolutely great. Hey, let's, um, let's I'm pivot. I'm doing it right now. Let's pivot here, uh, if we may. Uh, I, I, I look at uh, the strength in the U.S. dollar and hence the weakness in multiple currencies. I, and I haven't looked at the pound, but I'm assuming the pound is weak too. All currencies. It is, 126. Yeah, so. It's, uh, it's come off. Uh, do you think you get yourself a uh, reflexive, I'm going to use that word, a reflexive response this year at some point with currencies whereby the U.S. dollar sells off and hence the pound, the Canadian dollar, the Australian dollar, uh, the yuan, uh, the yen, uh, they all rally? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I think, uh, let me deal with the U.K. first. I think you've got a binary set of outcomes there. It goes 10% weaker if uh, we crash out on a hard uh, Brexit, it it gets uh, maybe 25% stronger if we get a deal, or um, uh, or even even stronger than that if we decide not to leave. Sorry, I want to interrupt. You in said do you, the, the current. Sorry, your pound would go up 25% from here. Oh yeah, I reckon if um, if if we don't leave, the pound recovers because the growth potential. The immediate growth potential for the UK is so much higher. Excuse me, Robert. Again, Robert, that's a big number for a currency, 25%. That's a huge number. Uh, again, stocks can go up 25%. Even last year, art and wine, Robert, uh, only went up 10%. Uh, and the Canadian that, dollar last year was down 8 and that was a very dramatic move. By the way, we do have Robert Jukes on the line. He's our chief strategist, well, international okay. strategist. I was going to say that. Uh, international strategist with Canaccord Genuity. Uh, he's across the pond, gracious enough uh, to join us uh, this morning live from London. Uh, the pound going up 25% that, that Robert talks about, that's a huge motivator for the, the UK people to go back to the polls and actually vote. Because think of the wealth creation that you create internally with inside the UK. It's instantaneous. global purchasing power, real estate, all their assets appreciate by 25%. It doesn't mean it's going to happen exactly that way. 
But I'm going to assume that Robert's, you know, relatively close with his appreciation. Robert, I want to ask you if I inter interject again. I've, I've rarely bought British stock. Uh, perhaps I own them in some ETFs. But what are you, what are some of your some of your finest blue chip companies in England that would have an international brand that we could take a peek at just for fun? Well, in in Europe, we've we've got something like. 30% of the top um, international brands, and a lot of those are... I'm speaking specifically uh, to the, on the London Stock Exchange. Sure. So, so a lot of them are um, listed in, in the UK. So you think of Rolls-Royce, for example. Um, you perhaps know that as a car maker, but it's... Uh, it, oh, they make great engines, engine jet engines, fantastic jet engines. Exactly. Um, the Boeing, the new Boeing engine, uh, the new Boeing has a, that Rolls-Royce engine in it, I believe. The $200 yeah, million, the $200 I mean, million dollar plane. Yeah, I mean, and we've got healthcare companies that you'll, you know, you, you'll know Glaxo, SmithKline, for yeah, example. Yeah, I own Glaxo. Uh, I own we're, we're loaded with um, uh, with companies, which um, are not just um, uh, British companies. You think about petroleum, you know, BP, it's a, you know, a Royal Dutch Shell, but also um, companies that uh, chose to list here, um, which aren't necessarily British. They, they've just chosen the the British market to list on. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking many of the mining companies, for example, you know Rio Tinto, and uh, um, you know there, 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 there are plenty, plenty of stocks, plenty of great stocks here. Which um, you know AstraZeneca, um, which which you, you could um, you could do very well with um, on a on a a right call on a Brexit play. I mean they're all um, exporters, so it makes. Uh, in the top FTSE 100, I think something like seventy percent of earnings comes from outside the UK. Except that if the so pound if the pound rallies, if the pound rallies, their exports are going to drop off. Then, so the weak the weak pound's actually been a benefit to them, no? It has it has been, but the uncertainty has not been. So um, whilst the whilst you're right that sterling will be a bit of a hindrance, it's not as much of a hindrance to these companies exporting as it is filling out all the paperwork that will be required to get to markets that they've been able to access hitherto relatively freely. Um, think of all the investment that's been foregone because companies aren't quite sure whether they're going to stay domiciled in the UK or whether they're going to leave for new European headquarters. The, the UK economy is, is only only just beginning to feel the effects of a potential Brexit. Interesting. Yeah, because, the, yeah there was also some concerns that a lot of the financials, uh, the banking hub uh, of London would perhaps move to Germany. Uh, but Robert, uh, my good friend, I do want to uh, thank you for your time. We are out of time here uh, on Hi-Fi Radio. Robert Jukes, our international strategist, uh, stationed in London so we can get a view uh, from across the pond as the world has become very, very flat and we have to have broader lenses as we manage money. So all the best to you, my good friend. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, we are going to have a discussion on, Jack? Financial planning with uh, Michael Bellamy. Financial planning 101 uh, for 2019. We got some things you need to do. Uh, so stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. More about money right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. You know, it's not all about, all about retirement. No, you got to live day to day and don't, you know, get too caught up in the noise. Uh, you know, it, it's ironic because I speak out, out of both sides of my mouth when it comes to the world of money. Uh, having a long view, extending your time horizon can do wonders. Um, but, uh, you know, 
uh, doing the fiscal fast, I shall say, and, and always thinking about tomorrow, not enjoying yourself today, I think uh, is also something that we have to uh, deal with. Um, got a great article um, by, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, I'm not going to bother, but Seven Steps to Wealth. Number one, start early. Number two, invest regularly. Number three, cliches it may be, think long term, which leads us to number four, have patience, my friends. Number five, ignore volatility. Number six, ignore noise. And number seven, stay the course. Oh, there is just so much talk around each and every point. Uh, Jack, I'm going to start with start early. Um, last week I spoke about my new, uh, which I got so excited about my favorite Christmas present almost, uh, was my Andex chart. It's this great big chart uh, with uh, valuations going back to 1950 of oil, uh, interest rates, Canadian dollar, the Toronto stock market, uh, T-bills, bonds. You go down the list. And uh, if you had uh, been born in 1950 and if someone had given you $100 uh, and you invested it in the U.S. small cap index, the index is a broad basket of small U.S. publicly traded companies, that $100 uh, would have grown into $740,000. To do that, you would have had to start early. You would not have had to invest regularly, but you would have had to think long term, have patience, Ignore volatility, ignore noise, and stay the course. And had you done that, $100 became $740,000. Yeah, in 68 years. But uh, we have Mike Bellamy on the line. Uh, he's our financial planner with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. And Mike is all about creating plans for clients uh, and to follow those seven steps. But I don't think Mike has ever really thought about that plan of $100 to the little baby that was born uh, in 2019. Uh, baby Sebastian, by the way, uh, apparently was the baby born in Toronto. My son's name is Sebastian. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, so what do you think <laughs> about that, Mike? 100 bucks becomes 740 We don't really need you uh, anymore. And uh, I guess don't <laughs> yeah. Jack and I either. Just buy the U.S. small cap index. And Well, you would have owned Apple in the late 70s. You probably would have owned some Microsoft because those small cap companies, Correct. Uh, over the long term, uh, yeah. a lot of them, some of them fail. Um, but a lot of them turn into, uh, well, not a lot of them, but uh, uh, the darlings turn into the large caps. And I would time. be, and I bet you most of those companies did not fail. I bet no, they get consolidated, got take, consolidated and, taken out, yep. privatized, uh, et cetera. Sure, some went bankrupt, but you know the notion of bankruptcy is, isn't something that happens that frequently. Uh, truth be told, we talk about quality companies. I I can't name a whole lot that have gone bankrupt. Sure, there was Nortel, uh, Air Canada went bankrupt a couple times, uh, but for the most part, they don't tend to go bankrupt. Blockbusters, yeah, blockbusters, but they're few and far between. So Mike Bellamy, our little financial planner, you've done a great job helping our clients each and every year. We continue to encourage our clients to sit down with you uh, to make sure that they go through those seven steps. Um, So uh, what do you got to share with us for 2019? What do we need to do, Michael? Yeah, so just, uh, you know, continuing on that that kind of those seven steps that you just handed out there, the the couple things we've been finding for clients, you know, the one thing is with the noise, um, you know, with so much data available to us these days, it's hard to ignore it. But uh, sometimes you kind of just got to, you know, turn off, turn off the TV and just uh, stay the course, which we try to tell clients. You know, there's um, there's a lot of things that can change from month to month, but we're trying to look long term view. And you're yeah, on that. I was sorry, Mike. I want to I want to jump in right here, right yeah. now, because what Jack and I are seeing some of our clients do is they're sort of fooling around on us a little bit, and they're going to their bank teller. And they're buying these things called GICs. Yep. Uh, and, you know, they sat down with you and they created a financial plan to that was conservatively written, 
with a 5% target of growth. Uh, yep. They will sit down with Jack and I, and we say, we're going to try to generate a 6 to 8% return for you through a balanced portfolio tilted towards stock. And again, I go back to that $100 that grew into $740,000, that grew at a 14% clip. So, yep. you know, if you buy good quality blue chip equities, bigger than small companies, I don't think a 7% return is, is, is out of the realm of possibility. I think it's highly probable. Yet, that's, that's over a market cycle. So if you sell at the trough and buy at the peak, you uh, that, are that's, not, a, that's no. a recipe. You're not going to get that 14. You're not going to get the five. You probably won't even get the GIC return. But so the the pe- people are not, they, they are participating in the volatility in, in the wrong way. The volatility is scaring people, Michael. Uh, yeah. and, and they are they are not looking for a 5% uh, return. They're looking for a return of their money. Knowing yeah. again, over time, the market is going to return your money and then some, but day to day prices get marked up on the board. Uh, again, you spoke about the instantaneous access to information. Uh, it can really, really cause people to spin their heads in the wrong direction. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was actually just running some numbers before the call, too, even just going back to the tax free savings account, you yeah. know, that, little, that little account that's all of a sudden starting to grow um, in value. And people yeah, no, those accounts for, are getting up to almost 100 grand now. You're right. Yeah, so like I, I kind of did some back running of numbers, and if you opened it, you know, in an, you know since inception in 2009, if you put in the max each year, yep. got a five percent return, that account should be around seventy five thousand dollars right now. Yep. Um, if we look out 30 years, so you know, you're looking at a 30 year window. So for the millennial clients that we're talking to, that were encouraging the tax free savings account. At a five percent return, you're looking at about four hundred and ten thousand wow. per spouse. Per spouse. Wow. No, no not so, bad, eh? Yeah, and that and that will generate twenty five thousand per year of income, tax free, for thirty one years, assuming you continue to get that five percent through retirement. Right, and again, so, I think that, that that is a reasonable outcome. Yeah, exactly. But and the GIC are, route, you won't do that in a GIC route. Uh, no. you, you, well, you're going to get half of that return, uh, exactly. half of the return, which is fine if that's all you can tolerate, which does bring, yeah. I think, Jack and I to our next point. Uh, and our next point is with this market volatility, if it's too much for you, Jack, what should they do? You got to talk to your advisor and come up with a reasonable plan to meet your long-term goals and your risk tolerance. Cause if you don't, then you sell at the wrong time and it can be in, in times of panic, which can be a lot worse than even the, the situation that we're in right now. Because, you know, again, and I'm, I want to get into this further with you, Michael, after the break. Again, Michael Bellamy on the line, our financial planner, can accord, uh, available to uh, create a financial plan for each and every one of you. Just give Jack and I a call and we can help set that up. Uh, but, again, I want to go back to when, when people say, gee whiz, my account's down 5 6 7% OMG. You know, something with that statement alone says, gee whiz, perhaps the equity market is not the place for you. Perhaps it is a GIC route, but with that route, well, your outcome will be significantly less, but perhaps you're going to sleep a little better. And that is the real trade-off that people have to accept. And unfortunately, when things are good, they don't think about it. They only think about this stuff when things get tough uh, and cheap and on sale. And, you know, we got Brittany the Butcher in studio. I don't know if Brittany is into shoes, but I know my wife certainly likes shoes. I said, Kathleen, if Louboutin, Shoes were 50% off today. What would you do? And she said she would run to the store and buy a pair of Louboutin shoes. A Louboutin is a high-end shoe, very, very expensive shoe. It's a blue-chip shoe, I shall say, because uh, there will always be that market that will buy that product. The same thing goes for equities, but when equities are on sale, people don't want to buy them. They run to the bank teller to buy a GIC, and that, I think, is a faux pas. Hi-Fi Radio will be back right after this. 
listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Well, it's that time of year when you start to think about money. You pay your bills, the credit card bills come in. You look at your statements from your investments for 2018. And you say, what am I going to do in 2019 with my RESP and my TFSA and more importantly, my RRSP? Yes, your retirement savings plan. And uh, well, we got Mike Bellamy on the line. He is our financial planner. Uh, you fail to plan you plan to fail, so make sure you do have a financial plan and go back to that financial plan. You know what's amazing, Mike? Uh, I would hazard to bet uh, any client that you wrote a financial plan for, say, five years ago, uh, if you looked at that plan today, uh, I would almost guarantee you that client would be on course despite what happened in the last three months in the marketplace. Would you agree? Yeah, and that's the big thing, like just kind of touching on what you were talking about before the break there. With, you know, we're starting to get through that cycle again where we're starting to see clients coming back in. You know, they're hitting that two to three year window where we like to redo the financial plan for them. And the big reason we run these plans so conservatively, again, you know, 5% return, 2.5% inflation, um, is for that exact reason. And nobody ever looks back at their plan when their accounts are up 14%. Yep. But when, you know, their account's down five or six, they all of a sudden, you know, like you said, they run to GICs or whatever it might be. So, you know, when we do the updates, we could do the update right now, and I would I would venture to say that majority of them are either on par, assuming they've done the savings we've set out for them, or above, right? So it's one of those things that you, rather than running to the teller and getting the GICs, is maybe running to the financial planner and rerunning some numbers and saying, okay, where are we? Exactly. You know, it's been maybe two or three years since we sat down and looked at the numbers. What are our accounts at? Where were they supposed to be? And you know, that's why we build those charts out so that we have them for for these for these times and for down the road. It's, uh, we tell clients these are static; they're not static documents. We want to continue to update them and look back on them as you know they're there for a purpose, not for just you know you look at them, right. okay, we're on the right and go from there. It really gives you that long-term perspective that you're looking for as an investor. We talk about long-term all the time, uh, and it is a cliche, but when you do a financial plan, you're running projections going out you know, 20, 30 years, so you are actually taking that long-term view. Um, and it goes back to another point that Wolfgang made earlier in the session with the media. The, the media it tries to sensationalize everything, so you, they go out there, they, they go out and print whatever the, uh, the most scary story is and really spook people. So, I mean, yeah. if people are paying attention to that and they're focusing on that short-term noise, uh, it can be scary, but when you step back, take the long-term view, look at your financial plan, you know, and if you're ahead of plan, obviously that's great. Continue saving. If you're not, you have to adjust accordingly. Maybe you have to save a little bit more or spend a bit yeah. less in retirement. You know, again, Mike, yeah. we have to, again, it, it is part and partial our duty to remind clients. And Jack and I try real hard to do that. Uh, and usually clients call us in good days, not bad, to, to give yeah. us more money. But we, and we remind them about the downside risk of the market. Again, mm-hmm. back to basic, stock market, the whole market. Forget the companies that you buy, and that's really what matters, is the individual businesses you buy. So sales can be going up, profit can be going up, but the market, for whatever reason, call it Brexit, call it China, call it Trump, call it the central bank, whatever, the market is going to always adjust correctly, incorrectly, regardless, and as such can correct significantly to the downside. 
usually for temporary moments in time, but it can fall 50%. So if half of your account is in stock and half of your accounts are in bonds, and let's say bonds do virtually nothing, let's say they make you 2%, and in fact, last year they fell 2%, but let's say bonds do virtually nothing, or 2-3%, regardless, half your accounts in stocks, you you have to be willing to tolerate 25% down, downside, period. If, and, and so to, to, to be down right now 5, 6, 7, 8% and, and, and to feel stress over that to the point where, gee whiz, it's not the right program for you, better now to exit than when it's down 25 because that too is going to come at some point if you are a long-term investor. Again, that long-term investor, Mike, who put $100 into the S&P small cap index in 1950 and did nothing. They forgot about it. They forgot about it and yeah. opened up the, their account statement in 2018, which is 68 years later. It's a good retirement age, $740,000 U.S. in their account. Yeah. Uh, and that means they dripped the dividend, and they got yep. the growth, and they dealt with big bear markets in there. Hey, Jack, 1972, 73, wasn't that a 50% bear market? I wasn't around at that time, but yeah, it was pretty tough times for the market. You also had the 87 crash. You had the tech boom bust. So there was lots of financial crisis. Can I, can I, talk to you, can I ask you about 1929? I know you weren't around for 1929. <laughs> You're a student of the market there, Jack. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Jack. Mike, help me out here with this Jack guy. Yeah, yeah. It's a new year. You know, he had last week off. Oh exactly. my! Well, yeah. the, the, the important point too is you, sleep still, right? you yeah. look at how tough the market was last year. So October to the end of the year, that was in a time where you've never had better GDP GDP growth since the financial crisis. You had uh, over three percent GDP growth in the U.S. and earnings were up twenty five percent. So the market can do things that you really don't expect in, in a good, a fundamental uh, driven economy. Yeah. Mike, you know, again, I'm going to go back to um, we have to hold our clients' hands every now and then. I like your notion about updating those plans every two to three years. They're not static documents. They're a live, living, breathing organism. They're a reflection of your uh, present and future uh, financial prosperity. Uh, and then the objective is not to outlive your money. Um, uh, but more, more importantly, uh, when things are on sale, Louboutin shoes, Ferraris, Rolex watches are... Uh, a two-for-one uh, deal at uh, at the movies. Uh, you go buy them. Do the same in the market. Don't run. To, don't go scared right now. This is not the time to go scared. It's time to perhaps review uh, to see if this is the right program for you. If it's not, you have to speak to your advisor. But I go back to quality businesses are on sale. If you have a time horizon of five years or so, uh, I think it's a layup, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's what we've been trying to preach to clients uh, to make sure that they. You know, we're sticking to the to the game plan, right? At the end of the day, there's going to be ups and downs, just like anything, and um, we just need to make sure we're staying the course for that, you know, 20, 15, 30-year time horizon that we're looking at. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, Mike Bellamy. Uh, you're a good planner. You're a good friend. You're a good guy, and I want to wish you success in 2019. And as I said, if you fail to plan... You plan to fail, so let's have a good plan for each and every one of you, and uh, that's what we're here for. You on Hi-Fi Radio. Coming up next, we have Jennifer Radman. She's a portfolio manager with Caldwell Investments. Right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. If I well, I guess you can if you listen to Hi-Fi Radio and uh, you do the things Jack and I tell you to do, including thinking long-term and ignoring the noise and volatility and uh, having smart people to manage your money. Now, uh, 
this uh, young lady on the line, Jennifer Radman. She's a CFA lead portfolio manager with Caldwell Investments, and she manages a value momentum fund. And, uh, well, it looks like a pretty interesting product, so I figured we'd get Jennifer on the line, talk to her a little bit about uh, what she sees for 2019 coming out of a tougher year in 2018. So thank you very much, Jennifer, for joining us on Hi-Fi Radio. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Jennifer, um, just looking at your fund, your funds that you've been running here for just to, out of the gate, um, they, about three years of, of, of data, you, these funds are three years young, shall I say? Uh, actually, seven. I think it's F class, so it's only three years. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. And uh, so over the seven-year period, you, uh, now that you got your year-end numbers up, I guess, uh, how has that fund done over the seven-year period, net of fees? Well, our, our clients are very happy. Um, so since inception, uh, we're up 9.3%. Uh, that's net of all fees, and that's versus 4.8% uh, versus the TSX total return index. So if you take uh, the mutual fund industry, they use the $10,000, what that would have done. Yep. Uh, in, in this fund, you would have more than doubled uh, what you would have made in the market simply putting the money in the market. No, no. I uh, I opened the show up speaking about, and again, you run a small cap fund, which are smaller companies. They're not the TSX 60, uh, Royal Bank, uh, t- Tim Hortons of the world. You're, you're buying smaller companies. I see here like Cargo Jet and Acon, Parkland Fuel, uh, Element Fleet Financial. Uh, so, so the names that sort of fly under the radar. But uh, Jennifer, I'm going to throw you a pop quiz here, being a small cap manager, okay? It's January. We're going back to school, you and I, right here, right now. If you invested $100, Jennifer, in the U.S. small cap index in 1950, uh, do you know what that would have grown into by uh, December 31st of 2017? Oh, I imagine the number would have been pretty impressive. Uh, how impressive, Jennifer, just for fun? 68, oh, 68 I, years, 100, 100 bucks. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, you're, you're stumping me on that one, Wolfgang. $740,000, Jennifer. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a 14% CAGR, 14% compounded annual rate of return. Hey, by the way, I, I want to be short-sighted because the clients are doing it to us all the time. Uh, coming out of 2018, how did your funds perform at the end of the year? Oh, the end of the year. So we had, um, I guess, the last three months. So in, in the TSX, we had a pretty big uh, down month in October. We outperformed in October. Um the November was, was up, um, underperformed a little bit there, and then um, December uh, outperformed that. So uh, with this fund, what we tend to see is better performance on the downside. And so uh, one of the stats for that is that down capture ratio in, in over a five-year period, as an example, um, we're at about 32%. So um, kind of the percentage of, of any down move in the market that's actually captured by the strategy. Yeah, and I see that. But again, can I politely ask you, to, to, how, how much was the fund down in 2018? I want to make a point on oh, this so, here. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so it was down 6%. Uh, the yeah. TSX, yeah, TSX total return down 89 Yeah, no, so again, down 6%. And let me ask this question here. Are clients selling your fund? Are you getting redemptions? Uh, we haven't seen too many redemptions. What we've actually seen is pretty good growth over the last 12 months. Good. Um, yep, and that's been pretty rare in the Canadian equity space. Most of the Canadian equity funds are seeing um, redemptions. A lot of people just don't like uh, kind of the, the opportunity set in Canada, especially when you're talking about financials being such a big 
uh, part of the index and then also energy and, and with what's happened with energy. Um, and I think that's really why this strategy is resonating because, as you pointed out, it is very different from uh, simply owning kind of the, the large cap. So it's a very uh, it's been very complementary to people, um, advisors like yourself, uh, placing in, it in their um, in their box and then also individual investors. Yeah, uh, we're on the line here with Jennifer Radman. I'm going to say, Jennifer, you are gutsy. And again, we're going to commercial break, but I want to, I want to highlight a point here. You're a very gutsy gal uh, in that your portfolio as of the end of November was sitting in 40% cash. Uh, do you still have that waiting in cash right here right now? We're actually up to 55% today. You're 55%. So you're halfway out of the market, Jennifer Radman. Oh, boy. We have to keep you on the line to find out what has you so frightened, my friend. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio. We'll be back with Jennifer Radman, Portfolio Manager with Caldwell Investments, right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I wonder if uh, people feel that way about their portfolios these days, all pumped up and excited. Uh, <laughs> money, money talks, money's yelling at them right now. <laughs> um, this is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle, co-host in studio here with me. We're speaking with Jennifer Radman. She's a portfolio manager with uh, Caldwell Investments. Um, Jennifer is, I'm going to say, quite bearish. You know, Just looking at her weightings and what she's holding, she has over 50% cash in her portfolio so uh what's your thinking there jennifer uh, and, and what's with all the cash well i mean it, it's a function of the strategy so we are running a quantitative strategy uh factor strategy um and really when we started this seven years ago it kind of came out uh, of a lot of the academic research that uh you saw in factor investing and so uh, one of the, the main factors in the portfolio is momentum. And so by definition, uh, stocks have to be doing well. And so uh, our, our big cash weighting is just a function of, of a lot of stocks having rolled over um, and not much in the market um, really hitting our screen. So we have that 55% cash balance today. Uh, we've been around 30% cash since uh, the beginning of, of uh, November in 2017. So it's been, uh, you know, over a 12-month period, we've had a, a significant amount of cash um, and just nine stocks in the portfolio today. So we've seen with that momentum, uh, the stuff that's been holding up relatively well has been more uh, on the defensive side of things. And so uh, even our portfolio today, we've seen a, a pretty big rotation out of the industrials, um, which were a, a big weight for us, um, kind of the, the middle part of the year, um, and now into more defensive names. So, so Jennifer, what, what would give you the all clear? What would be the signal that you'd be looking for to get yourself, I guess, more position for uh, a recovery, you know, that once the market has uh, bottomed out, the bottoming process has, you know, gone through its course and then, uh, you know, start going higher. So what would get you excited about the market again? Yeah, I mean, it's part of our um, quantitative screening process. So uh, we need stocks to be trading higher. And, and so um, as the market uh, sort of bottoms out and, and starts that path higher again, 
um, those are really going to be the signals for us. So that's that's one of the things. Um, but even with kind of the, some of the stock prices going higher, um, we're able to sort of tie that back to a fundamental story on what's happening to the to the stock. And uh, Wolfgang, you mentioned it earlier. A, a lot of the the names that we're uh, participating in are, are kind of under the radar, uh, the smaller caps. And so um, we we tend to find that when whenever there is a, a certain catalyst, say um, an acquisition, a change in in the management team, um, CEO level, or even a board, kind of a, a strategic decision to do the business um, a little bit differently. Sometimes it takes time for the market to fully appreciate that, um, especially when there are these smaller companies. And so that's really um, how we've been able to find that uh, that edge in the market. We're speaking with Jennifer Radman. She's a portfolio manager with Caldwell Investments. She runs a, a value momentum fund. Almost seems like an oxymoron, but she's obviously buying inexpensive companies that are actually moving higher in price. And she's telling us if they aren't moving higher in price, she sells them and waits till she finds something that works. Right now, Jennifer's sitting on a lot of cash. Uh, I've never met a portfolio manager sitting on 50% cash. I want to commend you for that, Jennifer, because you're actually earning your keep. You're doing something different. You're not a closet closet indexer. Um, and you are, you know, you're going out on a limb because if you're wrong, uh, well, you're, you're, you're going to lag in terms of performance. But I look at your performance and it's been very, very good. You're not getting all of the upside of the market by the looks of things you're getting 70 percent of the upside which people may uh, uh, scoff at but the downside protection is significant you're only participating in 30 percent of the downside so i think you said to us year to date of 2018 your portfolio is down about six percent uh, you know no one's gonna be happy with that but considering the global markets uh well it's actually a very very good number uh, let me ask you why do you not go outside of uh, canada and, and, and put some u.s into your portfolio uh, I, I mean, great question. A lot of the, the Canadian equity peers that were um, uh, comped against, uh, a lot of them go into the U.S. market just because there's such a limited opportunity set in Canada, especially with um, mutual funds in Canada being so, so big in size. So that's another one of our advantages. Um, when we built the the, uh, the model and in, in the quantitative aspect of it, um, the, it was kind of a really focused product. Um, so we've been looking into uh, potentially putting something together for the U.S. market, um, but it's still very early stages. So uh, it, it's been, um, you know, I think a lot of people appreciate the plain vanilla type of a strategy. So we only own Canadian stocks uh, or cash. And, you know, going into the U.S. market, it poses um, some problems for people, especially when you have kind of currency moves. Um, a lot of the times that uh, a performance of the U.S. market gets massed. So um, we, we've seen people appreciate that this type of a strategy. Um, uh, two last questions for you, Jeremy. We have to, we have to fly here. But uh, number one, uh, what is the turnover of the portfolio? And number two, how big is the uh, portfolio? Yeah, um, so the turnover is about 100% a year. And so that would be on the higher end of wow. things. And you can think of that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, we're really just trying to um, kind of exploit that opportunity for where there's been a change in the business and the market's still uh, behind the curve on yeah. what the value of, of that new story is. Yeah. Um, so, so, And then once that kind of momentum rolls over, that's when we would uh, sell out of the position and, and move into something else. So, but but it's, uh, actively, really, it's an actively managed product, uh, obviously. And, and sorry, then my final question for you, uh, we're out of time here, but how big is the fund? 
Uh, 55 million. It's, so it's a, it's a small fund, eh? Well, I'll tell you something, Jennifer. It's very, very interesting. Uh, we'll have to probably get together, bring you into the office, and have a little powwow at our little roundtable to uh, delve deeper into the Canadian Value Momentum Fund. I congratulate you. Very, very impressive numbers there, Jennifer. You should be very proud of your hard work. And, well, you created a model, and you're sticking to the model, and so far... The model has shown you very, very good results. Uh, I want to wish you success in 2019. Uh, that's it for time, folks. Hi-Fi Radio will be back uh, on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto uh, each and every Saturday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And, uh, well, if you can't get up for the show, you can certainly uh, podcast it. It's always available for podcasts after it airs on the Terrestrial Radio Network. Uh, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Have yourself a great weekend. <laughs> You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.